Welcome to Supplemental Materials, a podcast about genetics, genomics, and the people working on the forefront of human health. Sponsored by the Jackson Laboratory, leading the search for tomorrow's cures. Learn more at jax.org, J-A-X dot O-R-G. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Supplemental Material Episode 11. I'm Dave Mellert. I'm Annalisa Lucido. And this is the first time we've done one of these in a long time. I know. We're a little rusty. Have you been listening to the episodes? <laughs> I have. I have. I actually quite miss doing this with you. I'm glad we're <laughs> oh, back. Oh, well, we had some good material, some good archival material there that could uh, stretch things out a little bit with That's right. Alyssa Chesler. And then in between, we've had a barrage of grants. Yes, so yes. our day job has kept us too busy to um, do these. That's right. Yeah, we're, our, our work, as we've described in a previous podcast, is very boom and bust mm-hmm. uh, at times. And sometimes we just don't have the bandwidth to do everything we would like. But this is important, so we're doing it again. Yes, um, absolutely. Yeah, and this episode is kind of fun because we're going to uh, branch out a little bit. We're usually talking to... We're usually PIs. talking to investigators, but uh, today we wanted to expand a little bit to help the listeners get to know some of our other employees at Jackson, how they contribute to Jackson's mission. So uh, I'll introduce our guests. Sounds um, great. We have two today. And this will be interesting because this is the first time we've used our full mic setup with four people. So you two are going to have to share a microphone. But today we have Juliet Capsis. You can say hello now. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> and Tyler Chuku. Hi. Great. So why don't you start off by telling us a little bit about what you guys do here. You want to start, Juliet? Certainly. I'm really pleased to say that it came on board when we were in uh, an older administrative type building that the Yukon Health Center owns. And I was on the ground floor when we moved into this new building. It was awesome and scary all at the same time. Also, we didn't have a food service. We didn't have a cafeteria and people were hungry and we finally have one now, so life is good. I'm working in the Jackson genomic education area, supporting our director of courses and conferences and the director of education and external programs in Bar Harbor and Farmington. Cool. And Tyler? I work here as an associate recruiter, so basically just helping with the talent acquisition side of it and searching for um, amazing scientists and other amazing non-scientists to come join the team. If anyone listening is interested in working here, shoot me an email. Oh, great. <laughs> so uh, why don't you spell out your email real quick? So. Tyler, T-Y-L-E-R dot Chuku, C-H-U-K-W-U at jacks.org. Great, cool. So, you know, there's a kind of a, a little bit of a theme that both you touched on here, and that's that we're a pretty new organization down mm-hmm. here. Basically, yeah. there's nobody that's been here longer than a little over three years, I yeah. think. How long have you been here? Three years. Uh, three years and about three months. So you also were here before the building was built. Oh, yeah. We were in that uh, temporary office farm. Yeah. Um, you know. It did the job, but it was definitely not uh, not comfortable. We're in this beautiful building now, yeah. um, which is which is great. Did you all see there was um, an architecture website or magazine or something that just did a, a story on us? That um, oh no, I didn't see yeah, it. Jack Social Media was promoting this. Huh. Uh, I mean, oh, we'll intriguing! Get away. I didn't see that. Well, I no. can see why. It's a beautiful building. 
So, so yeah, we're a growing organization. So it's kind of uh, yeah apt that we have a recruiter here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, very much so. <laughs> but yeah. uh, also, Juliet, you've been here since the old building, and and I did support our previous manager of recruiting. So I am thrilled to be sitting here with Tyler because I, I heart human resources. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, can I ask you too? What what drew you to working for Jax? Was it just a general opportunity or, or did you guys kind of have an affinity for science or, or the human health mission that we have here? Well, I actually, I mean, science has always been interesting, but it's not something I ever thought I would be working around um, to the extent that I am here. In school, I studied the arts, you know, creative writing, visual art, never really thought about a career involving science. But when this opportunity came about, I was really excited about it because I knew I would learn so much just working with the amazing people here and kind of just being in this environment. And I really totally have. It's been an amazing learning experience so far and really broadened my horizons. What specifically have you have you learned about? I mean, have you kind of broadened your understanding of, um, of, of genomics well, itself? Well, sure, yes. Um, kind of thinking about all of its implications, I want to say. Like, not, you know, specific, not anything technical, nothing. Like, I don't have any deep understanding of the real science, but my interest in it is more on the human side, the human resources side, I would say, because... Mm-hmm or even just the ethical implications, things that are really current. And, you know, there's a dialogue around a lot of these things in all corners of the culture today. And so it's really interesting to see it from this side of it, from the scientist side of it, you know, um, seeing how it works. Are you surprised by the community of science? I mean, compared to your perception of how science worked and what scientific communities were like prior to being immersed in this environment uh, mm-hmm. versus now, how, how has that changed? I don't even think before working here I knew any scientists. So it was it's kind of cool to see that scientists are real people. They have individual lives. They have families. They have, you know, all of their quirks like everyone else does. You know, you always think, oh, a scientist in the lab coat, and they're all very, you know, serious and very scholarly. But they're also down-to-earth people that are doing some really important research. What about you? Well, I identify with what you just said about their scientists being real people. My sister-in-law is a chemistry professor. And I always have had the greatest conversations with her whenever I visit. And actually, that's been historically that we would stay up late talking. And I loved her passion for how to most effectively teach science to students rather than the science itself. And I remember Mr. Pickowitz, who was my chemistry teacher in high school, and he really inspired me a lot. I can't remember the name of my biology teacher, but I do remember that it was early in the morning that we had that class. It was hard. Um, I learned about Jax by, uh, actually, I received a phone call while I was at the beach from a recruiter. And then went in, had a conversation, learned about the mission of Jax. I had a sister who passed at a young age from cancer, rare form, and immediately I thought, gosh, this is something that I can get on board with. I'm happy that I'm here. Well, we're glad to have you both here. Can you remember your chemistry teacher's name? 
I, I can't remember too many of my teachers' names. I remember Ms. Batchelder was my yeah. math teacher in high school, mm. and Mr. Waltz was my English teacher for two years, actually. Um, I remember Mr. Robinson. He was definitely inspirational for me in high school. Yeah, it's funny, like, the teachers you remember. You yeah. Know, not necessarily the ones yeah. I would have expected at the time. So, so neither of you were part of, like, a, a deep science background. You both kind of came in for work. I, kind of interested now in getting your perspective on like you know being surprised about scientists being real people and that sort of thing with with real lives and real concerns and just want to ask do you do you feel like scientists do a good enough job of communicating what science is all about to people who are not inside science is this something some place where we need to improve because if you don't really see or know what goes on until you're embedded in it that could that could be kind of a problem mm-hmm. i think Well, from my perspective, a lot of my learning here has been via Google. If there's a hiring manager, one of the PIs is looking for someone for their lab. In the job description and in the job posting, there are a bunch of terms that I'm not familiar with, um, scientific terms that other scientists would understand, but I kind of need to do some research so that I can help find candidates who are qualified for that position Mm -hmm. so I understand what it is that we're looking for. I would say it would be a good idea for people to take on a certain amount of responsibility themselves to be interested in science and to do their own research because I mean information is freely available if we look for it. Well one thing that uh, I remember Daria brought up in the very first episode is one concern right now is everybody should self-educate a little bit about science but maybe a a, one challenge right now is that not all information is created equal Mm -hmm. and the question is how Mm -hmm. do we decide when we go out onto the internet what's fake news yeah what's fake right i mean it's very that's big very topical yeah and um i think scientists in principle consider it their responsibility to tell people about what they do primarily because the public is by and large paying for our work through tax dollars and so Mm -hmm. we have a responsibility to educate it's difficult and the terminology is difficult and sometimes that creates barriers and also there's a I think a baseline level of fluency that most people need to understand a lot of concepts and hard to know what's our responsibility versus what isn't a responsibility of a, you know, a kind of a primary education. Yeah, maybe um, a, a broader societal responsibility. Yeah, I think it's yeah. both. I, I think we play a role in all of it. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we each try to do our part on the ground. And I certainly know other scientists that are like myself and Dave. This might be something that should be baked in grad school curriculum. That, yeah. You know, that it's really important to convey what you do. Because really, if people understand why science is cool, they're going to support it. Mm-hmm. Now, now, Juliet, uh, working as you do in the education department, mm-hmm. this is actually one of the focuses of JAX, the whole scientist program being one example, is to help our scientists become better communicators, right? Yes. And Dave, that's so great that you mentioned that because we have two The Whole Scientist events coming up or workshops coming up in 2017. One of them will be in Bar Harbor in May. The registration link is actually live for that. Well, uh, let's put links up in the show notes too. Terrific. Make sure that you get me get me these links. And, will do. Yeah. The theme of this May's Whole Scientist is around communication. We have a few internal Jackson Laboratory creative team members who will be there to facilitate and share their ideas about 
communicating, whether it's on social media or in face-to-face presentations. Yeah, cool. All right, uh, you guys want to take a quick break? Sure. Great. All right. You're listening to Supplemental Materials, sponsored by the Jackson Laboratory. All right, and we're back. Annalisa, you had a question? I did, I did. So um, Juliet works uh, within Jack's Genomic Education, and they offer just a really neat range of educational programs uh, tailored to really people of all ages. So I was hoping Juliet could tell us a little bit about something that they're doing, some of the initiatives that are geared towards children or teachers or non-scientists. Awesome. I'm so glad you asked, as a matter of fact, because just prior to coming up here, I was meeting with Walt Nakanechny, our Associate Director of Education, and we were talking about teaching the genome generation. This is where Jackson Laboratory teaches the teachers, and we send a kit to them in their classroom a month or so after they take this education, then they implement it in their classroom. So students are learning how to put a swab into their mouth, and then they will look for some specific genomic evidence that they'll then investigate under the tutelage of their teacher. So we will have uh, teaching the genome generation in Bar Harbor, as well as Hartford, Connecticut this June. Yes. Also March, a little bit sooner than June, we have an open house, and we're about to issue our registration link for that. Currently, we have Save the Date, March 29th, and we're inviting teachers and students from the 6th to the 12th grades. In addition, community members are invited as well. And we'll have five topics covered by our internal principal investigators, and we are hoping for a robust turnout. And how has turnout been in the past with some of these? I imagine pretty good. This will be our first open house. Okay. So tell us a little bit of uh, about how you got to Jax. Where were you before? Are you from Connecticut? Did you go to school here? What was your trajectory? Because everybody here is pretty much from somewhere else. So I'm from Connecticut, born and raised in Connecticut. And then I moved to New York City for college. I went to Columbia. And then I worked in fashion for a bit and generally just kind of figuring out what I wanted to do. And I moved back to Connecticut and found out about Jax and that's how I started here. And for me, I was working at the Yukon School of Business in downtown Hartford. Then I worked for a time at Bay State Health in Springfield, Massachusetts, and then here. Jackson Laboratory. (laughs) Are you also from Connecticut? Oh, indeed. Absolutely. I grew up here and my father is a retired school teacher from Bloomfield and he taught psychology primarily as well as um, advised a bunch of things, the yearbook. And I was really into education from a very young age. It just kind of makes sense for me to be here. So both of you guys have deep roots in Connecticut. You might be the two that have the most <laughs> yeah. deepest roots of everybody that we've interviewed. <laughs> I mean, we're both transplants here. We are, so we always ask people about food. So I want to know. Cause if you're and local, I, absolutely. Yeah, right. I mean, I, we're, we're on the lookout for good food all the time. Actually, we just went this past Friday to... To New Haven for pizza. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Did you go to Pepe's or Sally's? Modern. 
Modern. modern. Yeah. Love modern. I'm so partial to peppies. Be partial. Yeah. See, you guys are totally from Connecticut because yeah. you have clear, clear opinions on it's this. A thing. <laughs> I've been to both. I've been to both. Yeah. I, I, so I like peppies quite a bit. I also like modern. I, but I, I would say for the most part, I like peppies more, except for the clam pizza, which... Oh. At Modern, I, the the clam pizza was amazing. Okay. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Fair. I mean, I will have verbal arguments with people who think that New York style pizza is better. That's a lie. Yeah, they're wrong. Yeah. <laughs> Just no justification for that. Mm-mm-mm. I have to say, I'm not. Boy, probably you know, if any of the like 200 people that listen to this. Uh, <laughs> We might get an email. Um, I've not been impressed by New York pizza. No. Bleecker Street pizza, possibly. Where I went to school, there was a a Coronet. I don't know if it's a chain or not, but they, I think it's a chain. There's a few in the city. Mm. And the the pizza slices are huge. That's what does it. Yeah, it's the size of a whole pizza, just Mm -hmm. one slice. And maybe it's the cornmeal on the good. bottom as well. Yeah. I think in a lot of those. It makes it crunchy. Yummy. Actually, yeah. I do mm-hmm. want a piece of that right I now. I could go for some, too. Yeah. yeah. Oh, man. Next yeah, time we should have pizza at the podcast. <laughs> right? What have we been thinking? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we'll entice more people to come. <laughs> <laughs> See if we can get so a budget true. for that. Um, yeah. Okay, besides pizza, what else do you go around here to eat? I absolutely have to give a shout out to my favorite bakery. It's in Windsor Center in an old antiques building. And they have gluten-free items, they have regular items, and they have the best coffee in the world. What's it called? Oh, Get Baked. Nice. LOL. <laughs> <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> this is a PG podcast. Yeah, I know. Um, Gotta take it down a notch. <laughs> <laughs> I have to give a shout out to my neighborhood cafe. I live down in Black Rock, which is pretty far from here. It's like an hour mm. plus away. Wow. wow. Oh, wow. Yeah. Black Rock is between Bridgeport and Fairfield. Anyone listening is familiar with Connecticut, you probably know where it is. And it's right on the water. It's really beautiful. But anyway, there's this little cafe. It's called Harbor View. And it is just so amazing. It's like family run. And it's like in the middle of a neighborhood, like uh, houses. And then there's this little cafe. It feels like a ski lodge, kind of, like that kind of vibe. Oh, I want to go. Wanna, it's so amazing. I told you about oh, the, the croissants. croissants. Yes. Yes. The most amazing croissants. You have to get there early on the weekends because they're gone. They're gone. They're yeah. gone. And he makes them like fresh he like carries out the tray and puts and they're hot oh my god and buttery they're so is, good is there a good place mm. to get pastries around here um there's petit france uh, which is on yes. farmington it's pretty mm-hmm. good they're and just really good. expensive and right. what about truffles up the way in farmington the parking lot and just that whole situation is intimidating it's, yeah, yeah yeah it stresses <laughs> me out too i would be stressed <laughs> out right so, mm. just sort that out but yeah I've, I've i've been in there i don't remember what i had it was like really early when we moved here mm-hmm. but i remember it being pretty good well what about oh my gosh mazzucatos and modern pastry in hartford south end Ooh la la Oh, mm. all right. Amazing This stuff. has taken a sweet turn, this episode. <laughs> yeah, we, have, we haven't talked too much about desserts. I know, I know. i, I got to write this down. Cannolis. <laughs> oh, Ooh, cool. cool. Tiramisu. Yeah. yeah, that's good. Italian stuff. Win my heart. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, I have another completely unrelated question. You both have beautiful radio voices. And do you have any experience in media or journalism or anything like that? Because I have to say, you're smooth. Thank you. I aspire to one day. This is my first. This is my debut. Okay. I'm very nervous. All right. <laughs> it's been Love very it. fun. 
It is fun. I know. It's like it's a, we have a good energy in this room. Clearly. Room 4002. <laughs> um, I have actually done a little bit of radio in my college days. Oh. I had a late night rap show on, uh, let's see, it was <laughs> Knox College in Illinois, Galesburg, Illinois, the That's town so where cool. Carl Sandburg so it's amazing. lived. Yes. So, uh, so boy. You were like, did you pick the music? Too? Good times. I did. And oh, nice. I had my <laughs> frequent callers. They were a riot, <laughs> these folks, but they loved. Um, that was when, oh my goodness, I, The Chronic came out. Wow. I don't know. Who was that guy? Dr. Dre. Yeah, Dr. Dre. Mm. That was big stuff. That and then Prince had that yeah. album like with Pearls or something. R.I.P. Mm-hmm. R.I.P. Prince. Mm-hmm. <laughs> See, I knew it. I knew it. <laughs> she came prepared. She's a yeah. ringer. No, no, yeah. no. You, t- you did too battery to, to not have some experience here. <laughs> I'm curious. What do scientists in real life think of the science that's portrayed on the screen i mean i just watched the most recent ghostbusters and yeah that was cool yeah so what science portrayed on the screen i actually think it's a little bit dangerous Mm. because i think that science portrayed on the screen um, for dramatic purposes usually represents an individual or maybe a very small team of individuals who sort of toils away by themselves and then come upon a great breakthrough that sort of takes the world by storm. And that's precisely the opposite of how science actually right. works. I mean, you know, one thing that you guys might appreciate now is that science is, is very much a community effort mm-hmm. uh, on all levels. Mm-hmm. And, and just the speed with which a, a breakthrough or a discovery is presented is completely out of step with the time scale it takes to to reach something yeah. really important. The efficiency of forensics that's demonstrated in Law and Order is probably completely <laughs> out of step right. with the way things really work. <laughs> so, right. you know, I think there's some um, unrealistic, it sets up maybe some unrealistic expectations of how yeah. these work. And it's always portrayed very black and white too, like yeah. in terms of, oh, we've proved this new theory, right? You'll hear that yeah. a lot. But that's, you know, scientists don't, IRL, aren't often using language like that. It's in real life. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Great. I knew that. <laughs> yeah. um, it's always probability. You know, we are 90% certain of this or 95% certain. Sometimes you'll have controversies in the, in the field, but uh, they, they play out publicly and everyone sort of sees the data and, and they converge on the best answer. Not necessarily yeah. the, the final precise answer, but this is the best answer. Yeah. And it's interesting have. to see... Um, scientists who are interviewed on major media outlets like CNN because the good ones, the careful ones are very careful and they will always hedge and you can tell a journalist will want, you know, will want a black and white answer but there's sometimes just, there just aren't any and we can't be sure and you know, science is filled with uncertainty and nothing is ever proven, it's only disproven and that concept can be really hard for people to grasp if you're not in it. But it's important because we need to be accurate. Yeah. But on the, on the flip side, sometimes I worry about that level of conservatism because things that we are very, very sure about often take on, because of the way we Because of the way we present it. it, yep. Often takes on a tinge of, oh, well, there's still, you know, there's still some doubt, right? Yeah. People can seize on that doubt and make the foundation seem shakier than it actually, than it actually is. is. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's a really tricky space to navigate. Yeah. 
I have a follow-up question about that, um, like about scientists on, you know, CNN or or just the type of science that might get mass or media attention. Are you ever, um, as scientists yourselves, are you ever kind of resentful of the type of thing that people want to hear about or people seem to be talking about a lot more than things that might be um, a huge deal but only to the scientific community or people who really understand it's, you know, understand it. And I just have a specific example that I want to share Mm -hmm. Um, because we're talking about dessert too. Mm -hmm. Um, There was a study like a few days ago, I think uh, some Japanese university, um, people who eat ice cream for breakfast, like myself (laughs) sometimes, consistently score higher on intelligence tests. So just interesting. It's a fun little thing to say. It's easy to say. And, you know, people can tell their friend. But yeah, so I I don't think resentful is the word. I think it's more there's probably some irresponsibility on the part of scientists to overplay their hand when it comes to results like that. I mean, so this observation, I'm not familiar with the study. No, but but now I'm just going to be telling people like, oh, it makes you smarter. And and, and maybe there's something to that but the truth is with one study and i and i don't know the details of the study i mean you can't you never really it's not it's not solved after a study right there people would have to kind of um, explore that a little bit more and and, and repeat that study and so on and yeah i think there's a little bit of a unhealthy dynamic sometimes between scientists hyping their own work because it's really hard to get money yeah i think it's important to and what's really difficult to generate excitement about is that we have to take the long view on, on science. You know, usually there are very few discoveries that you can turn around that will have a massive impact in five years or less. Mm-hmm. You know, it takes decades for a scientific discovery to play out and for the implications of it to really manifest. And that's really hard to convey to people who are not scientists. You, and it's hard to make them excited about that. But it is you know, a long incremental process that does yield advance, but it just takes time. And if you're looking at people who are eating ice cream for breakfast, what about the people who are lactose free or, you know, (laughs) lactose intolerant and then whose metabolisms wouldn't really work with something cold in the morning? Yeah. Yeah, So who did they test on? (laughs) Right. And and, and this is exactly the kind of thing that people would would explore and follow up on and maybe mm-hmm. it turns out you know if you have a whole bunch of people looking at a whole bunch of factors that might impact intelligence just by random chance alone some of those studies are going to show results that kind of look attractive so that it needs to it needs to hold up so this is an interesting study and it generates conversation right mm-hmm. and it makes some people feel better about themselves for eating their, ice cream in the morning routine <laughs> You know, you should feel okay about eating ice cream in the morning, regardless of what the science says. <laughs> I think you. that's well, the I real agree. lesson Thanks. here. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, that, this is a good conversation. I think we should probably wrap it up pretty soon. It was a real pleasure to, to talk to you two. Thank you for great. joining Thank us. Thank you for coming. Thank you. Thank you. This has been really fun. And yeah. I want to do it again. Now I want to do it all the time. (laughs) (laughs) See, you have the the gift. That's great. Cool. All right. Well, thanks, guys. And thanks, Annalisa. We need to get back in the habit here. Okay. Stay tuned, everybody. We'll be doing this more often. Okay. All right. Mm -hmm. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. You've been listening to Supplemental Materials, a podcast about genetic science and the people working on the forefront of human health. Sponsored by the Jackson Laboratory, leading the search for tomorrow's cures. 
Learn more at jax.org, J-A-X dot O-R-G.